0: Greetings, both history fans and film fans. If you haven't already, follow us on Instagram at History and Film. It's a good way to know when new episodes drop or just see other interesting history or film tidbits. And if you have any other questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to email me at Simmons at TrackNerds.com. Enjoy the show. Okay, we're going to continue rolling right along with the TV series Vikings here on History and Film. Again, kind of just a break before we get back into American history or start American history chronologically, one film at a time. So, talking about the show Vikings, I'm sure there's other podcasts that break it down better. We're kind of watching or we're kind of talking about it quite a bit after having seen it. And there's just so, so much to get into with this podcast. Honestly, probably even more than i probably realized before we were going to do this these you know total of (laughs) we're going to do a total of 12 episodes but like this could be a whole podcast you could do an episode per character and a whole podcast and yeah we're just going to kind of talk about again kind of like we tend to do we don't do a deep dive on oh here's exactly what they got right and wrong it's more just like here's what the show deals with here's who that person really was and it's uh it's casual. We're gonna we're gonna fly casual.
1: And one thing that's kind of unique about Vikings is that there isn't like enough of a super accurate nailed down historical record to even know what they got
0: right and what they got wrong. Well, that's true. Just by happenstance, a million monkeys with a million typewriters or infinite number of monkeys, it, it could be right just because well that that might happen so (laughs)
1: so i mean even the way that the show is made is almost it's very similar to like the way that a lot of the like 12th century viking sagas are written Mm. like it's you know it's after the fact and it's it's based on people that we are pretty sure existed but the exact you know who's and what's and where's and when's maybe are not you know down to the year or you know perfectly accurate but the the spirit of uh, the story is still pretty true to the viking sagas at at least timeline inaccuracies notwithstanding like it well but even the sagas i
0: think had issues with that if they're
1: writing centuries after the fact that's true yeah and there's there's a lot of uh which i'm actually going to talk about today when we talk about king harold but there's a even like, oh, well, this name is similar to this name. So are these the same person? Are these mm, different people? Is this yep. a different guy? They don't know his name, so they just named him the same as this other guy.
0: Yep. So I actually want to start with something that Ragnar is uh, dealing with in the first episode of season four here. He dreams of Valhalla. So we had we had Ragnar kind of having a near death thing last season in season three where he kind of he's severely injured and the, the show makes you think that he has died. And then they use that as kind of a Trojan horse to get him into Paris and open the gates when he kind of comes back out, but he's still not in great health. So it's almost like you kind of get to at this point in the series that Ragnar knows and almost is getting ready to welcome his death. Yeah. Like he knows he's not long for the world, this world. And he's, Kind of making his peace with that already. So he has a, a dream of Valhalla, and we talked briefly about some Norse religion, Viking religion stuff. But I wanted to just uh, spend a minute here, real quickly, on Valhalla itself. And the one thing I thought was interesting—well, a couple of things here. So Valhalla again—you kind of again—it's talked about in various things. It's kind of heaven. It's like you're going to go to heaven. You're going to go to Valhalla. You're going to be with Odin. Is kind of what you hear over and over again in the show, specifically. It's actually like because you think about you know Viking culture and you know drinking with the big goblets and all together in the big hall of like the village or the city or whatever. Well, Valhalla is just basically the big heavenly hall with Odin. So now you're in there right. with all the gods having this kind of eternal uh, party.
1: Isn't uh, and I I didn't <laughs> I didn't research into this specifically, but at least from the context that they talk about it in the show, Valhalla seems like it's almost reserved for warriors. Yes. Not just like your average, like not everybody gets to go to Valhalla when they die. And the show,
0: I think, almost doesn't doesn't illustrate that. It kind of just almost implies that if you have a good warrior death, you do, but it doesn't necessarily say others are, exclu- well, I guess it does say when they execute, and this is kind of jumping all over the place in the show, but if they execute someone instead of letting them die in combat, they'll even kind of say like, oh, you're not meant for Valhalla. So you're right because it is kind of implied in that sense. And even
1: the manner of your execution can determine whether. Oh, right, right. The guys who would get bloody gold. It's like, oh, like that guy. He took it like a champ. That's a warrior's execution. Yeah, yeah. right. So he gets to go to Valhalla. But then you know, if you just like, if you whine about it, (laughs) or if or if they just you know like cut your head off or slit your throat or whatever, then you that doesn't count.
0: So what's interesting is, and I had not heard of this one, so again, this is just according to Wikipedia, and I could go off again about how I actually think Wikipedia is pretty darn good uh, as far as a starting point for information, although I've found plenty of mistakes over the years myself. But it says it was half and half. If you died like a warrior's death, it was 50% chance you would go to Valhalla. You could, you could would either go, oh, half, really? half the warriors went to Valhalla, half went to... Folkwagner. Folkwagner. I, I don't know how to say it. So, so half go to the hall with Odin. The other half go to a meadow with the goddess Freya. And it's oh, it's almost okay. like an equal but different afterlife.
1: Yeah, one's like a one's like a cool party with all the gods where you're like you know eating a bunch like a giant. Turkey you're getting leg you're getting and, drunk with Odin, yeah, yeah. A giant mug of ale and it's all rowdy. And then the rest is like you just like hanging out just chilling in nature yes like either one of those sounds really cool yeah so it, so it
0: even says here so uh again i have no idea how to pronounce it i mean folk makes sense but then it's v-a-n-g-r Venger, folk and uh it says yeah field ruled over by the goddess freya where half those of those who die in combat go upon death huh and so yeah half half to valhalla half to Folkvenger. so you know what Valhalla's gotten all the glory. Everyone only knows Valhalla. <laughs> Everyone's heard of Valhalla. I can't even pronounce the other one. We need to. We need to have like a campaign. No, let's. What? If we give give some props to Folkvanger. No, it's just, it's not
1: gonna. It can't happen because it's Folkvanger. Well, yeah, but as you know, like that name is just a PR nightmare. Like no one can say it. it's. It's. It's a lot easier for. I citizens. can't say it. I'm sure if I,
0: <laughs> sure people can say it. It's a word. <laughs>
1: No, it's impossible to pronounce.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, and then I kind of wanted to focus then a good chunk of our time here because he basically is exiting the show soon. Well, I guess we mentioned uh, Ragnar, but uh, Rolo. So the whole show has kind of been focused on, most of the time, on the relationship of the brothers Rolo and Ragnar. And again, we've mentioned Rolo was not related to Ragnar. Oh, I say that because, so Ragnar's legendary so dubious historicity <laughs> yeah and rollo is a historical figure but one whom we don't know much about his origins so i mean it's true possible well i know because the timeline doesn't actually work out so if ragnar existed that- he would have been too old to be ragnar's or rollo's brother yes yeah okay. exactly
1: yeah so if ragnar did exist actually as a person it would have been yeah way too early because like. Like we've talked about, the first siege of Paris was like in the eight forties that Ragnar may or may not have been on, right. depending if he was an actual person. Right. But the the siege of Paris that Rollo took part in was like forty years later.
0: Right. And Ro- we're not sure when Rollo was born, but the earliest Rollo was born was the year after that first Viking siege that Ragnar may right. have been at. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so uh, a little a little rough there. So a couple different things. So I saw. We don't know a lot about Rolo. We know he existed because there was a certain time period where he's, like, for sure in the record. And it is related yep. to these sieges of Paris and then obviously, you know, getting on the scene after afterwards. So he was real. Again, I visited his tomb in Rouen uh, last summer. Right. But we just don't know a lot. Like, there's some there's some stories that he may have actually been a contemporary of Harold Fairhair and actually ran out of Norway by Harold Fairhair's son is is a possibility. But we don't even know that Rolo was even in in Norwegian in the first place. So it's like, that may have happened, or Rolo may not even have been Norwegian, and not in the country at all. and we'll
1: get into this later, but we also don't even know if uh, Harold Fairhair was a person necessarily either.
0: Okay, okay, Uh, yeah. So the one nickname, and actually I don't know if I saw this on the Wikipedia page, it might have just been on this video I watched, that the uh, one possible nickname for Rolo was The Walker, I saw that. Yeah, that basically whether it was referring to him or another person and so that's where the confusion is. But if, oh, it's, re- okay. if it's referring to Rolo, it's, it's the, because he was too big to ride a horse. And the implication I got from the video was like football player big, not like fat. Right. So right, yeah. was he such a big guy that he couldn't even ride a horse? And so he was uh, the, Rolo the Walker. It was kind of cool. <laughs> I mean, that's,
1: so like the casting in the show then is pretty accurate. Right. He's
0: a big guy. Right. Because the dude that
1: the place is huge <laughs> right right it's one of the things that's like you know it's visually funny to see in scenes especially when they go to like you know wessex or anywhere in england and you know you have Rolo and he's just just towering over everyone like all of the englishmen that he that he's around are like a foot and a half shorter than him he yeah. outweighs them by like you know at least 50 pounds
0: yeah but and, and not not a not fat he like he's cut he just no. looks like a football player yeah yeah
1: right yeah just a just a big buff dude
0: so i was trying i wanted to kind of get a better picture of the historical world we've kind of already talked about in the show how you deal with it and, we'll, and we'll, we'll continue more into the show here but i kind of wanted to talk just a few minutes about the historical rollo and then the context of him in france because Inevitably, like they do, the show simplifies things so much. And again, I don't even think in a bad way, like cause because it kinda had to. So the Vikings, I, I wrote my note here, they were basically like locusts all over and around France for decades. So even though we talked about there was like these three sieges that the show kind of goes down to one or two with at least or one within like the same time period it was happening all over yes the sieges of paris were maybe just those few but the vikings were everywhere south paris going up the rivers all along the coast they were just infiltrating everywhere And everything's so kind of so spread out it was it was almost like it's not like it even just about the rating it's like oh we're gonna sneak into here and start farming real quick before they notice like <laughs> it's just they're just everywhere like it's like you got oh Oh, we got We got to shave our head. We got Vikings. Oh, we gotta, gotta get the Vikings out of here.
1: <laughs> that visual of someone like wearing camouflage under the cover of darkness
0: to like plow a field oh, is uh, yeah, yeah. is pretty funny to think about. Well, you just think, you think <laughs> about populations at the time, and it's like if there's space and you right. need the land, it's like yeah, you go and raid, or it's like oh, hey, there's this land, we're just gonna start farming here. Oh, and then they come trying to get us out, or we we go and fight them so they don't come get us out. It's just yeah. it was it was everything was a lot more kind of organic. <laughs> Back then, and so, so before Rolo got got Normandy and everything as part of this deal with Charles the Simple, there was two other serious attempts to bribe a Viking to defend <laughs> France from from other Vikings, from the rest of the Vikings. Yes, yeah. yes, and can't beat them, join them, right? <laughs> one went okay for a little bit but i think the guy kind of abandoned it and this is kind of a, a couple decades before and then one was kind of complicit with them from the beginning it's so like one guy kind of gave it a shot and then kind of ultimately just it didn't last or he got booted the other guy was kind of complicit from the beginning and be like oh yeah sure i'll totally take that deal and then was still like helping out the vikings and then right. so when uh charles the simple gives the offer to rollo it had been it was basically kind of a new tax so they've been paying off vikings you know to kind of keep them from raiding it's almost kind of like you just Oh, what do you call it? When you have to pay...
1: Well, he paid a ransom. He paid a ransom Yeah,
0: like a ransom. Yeah. So that kind of thing was common, but hiring someone <laughs> is kind of a different way to do it. Instead of saying, hey, we'll pay, give you money if you leave, it's, hey, we'll give you money if you actually fight off the other Vikings for us. So right. when Charles the Simple offered that to Rolo it was kind of going back to an old strategy that could kind of had had mixed success before and then with Rolo, it kind of finally does work yeah. uh, but also what I, what I thought was interesting is that because of everything kind of being soft at the time we've mentioned a million times in the podcast about how borders weren't really a thing back then and everything was kind of in flux Which i honestly think that we do some day at
1: some point we need to do like the definitive history and film carolingian empire episode where we talk about all that stuff because like every time we bring it up it's like we can't
0: get into this right now because it'll be ours <laughs> no i wouldn't be against doing like a series of episodes where we say okay fine we're gonna peel the band off and we're gonna talk yeah. about the holy roman empire and all right. the things around that time just kind of go from clovis to charlemagne up to the unification of germany i mean that'd be so many episodes <laughs> <laughs> um but i am kind of curious to learn more about it myself so uh, yeah we'll put a pin in that right <laughs> so uh because everything was so kind of so soft and chaotic just by the nature of earth at the time when uh, when Rollo was offered Normandy, it had actually kind of been thirty years since the West Franks had really had any control over Normandy anyway. Oh right, it was just kind of chaotic and just you, it was all you know the little skirmishes, and then it just goes back to oh they're just farming. Oh now they kind of now there's a flare up again. Like real life is kind of boring. <laughs> so yes, there's flare ups of activity, but anyway, Rollo does ultimately accept Normandy in exchange for fending off uh, other Vikings and protecting this part of france or west frankie or whatever you want to call it or whatever at the time there's a few cool stories though so one was as they kind of start becoming christian they're now living in france there's a story that rollo's men would like be baptized multiple times because when you got baptized the priest would like give you these nice robes that you got to keep <laughs> that's... <laughs> so...
1: that's funny so... that is funny <laughs> That's uh, honestly, though, for the time, though, that's a that's like a good that's a good hustle. You can't like, go to Walmart. They, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to be baptized. Oh, I'm going back to my heathen ways. Oh, man. You know what? Since I went back to my heathen ways, I need to be baptized again. Give me that nice robe. <laughs>
0: yep. Yep. Or you just say that's you're funny. a different person. They, I mean,
1: they wouldn't. I mean, Oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah, it's a good point. That's a good point. It's not like you had to show an ID. I got to
0: got to go back for my annual baptism. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Cut my hair this time. Yeah. Like a, just a different guy. <laughs> The other one, and actually I saw this on, well, I heard it on multiple sources, but it's just because the story itself is so old, but that doesn't mean the story is true. Okay. So there there was a basically Rolo's grandson commissioned a historian to kind of write the history of his grandfather. But also when you do that, you're also kind of kissing up to the people in charge and you're, anyway. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> and these, and these stories stick. So this is a thousand-year-old story about what happened but who knows if it actually happened so part of the deal was okay you got it's still like we always talk about game of thrones you gotta swear fealty and so rollo was asked to kiss the foot of charles the simple in like fealty of you know his new position as the duke of normandy or count of rouen i think technically at first and he's like no i'm not doing that but my boy here will. So he basically has one of his soldiers do it on his behalf. So he's like, "Rolo's not going to stoop and do that, but I will concede and have uh, one of my soldiers do that." So the soldier, I guess, was like a big dude, just yanks up the king's foot to his mouth. Instead of kneeling <laughs> down, he just like basically like pulls his legs out from under him. Yeah, he does. A, he ankle picks him. Does an ankle pick and just just takes his whole feet out from under him. <laughs> y- yes, yes. And so yeah, just knocks Charles the simple on his butt kisses his foot and all the all the i kind of want to get away from calling them vikings all the norsemen who are now becoming in the normans and Normandy and all that just think it's hilarious right. and they, they you know so there was no no blood <laughs> spilled or anything after that everyone just kind of had a laugh at the king's expense that's funny but again i just thought it was cool that's a thousand year old story about rollo's crew and actually that kind of fits with what you see with the normans and we're just a couple centuries away when you're looking at Rollo. Ba- he's basically two centuries before William the Conqueror. The Normans is assimilated right. to French culture pretty quickly while keeping the Viking furiosity. And so you have this yeah. interesting blend of Viking fierceness with French diplomacy. When you look at the Normans. So they're going to make a deal, but then they're going to kick your butt if that deal falls through or if they decide to renege on it. So yeah, kind of interesting. And, I, and, I, and my final note then on Rolo was, well, I, guess I, I want to talk about his, uh, what were the marriages and how it ties into the show here too. But I do think it's fitting that it's kind of considered that the end of the Viking Age is 1066, the same year as the Norman Conquest. So the Viking Age ends when the Norman Viking descendants take control of England and kind of the world kind of moves on as they shift to Christianity and all those other things we've talked about. But I think it it is fitting that the Viking age ends with the Norman conquest. And then as far as we, I think we talked a little bit about in the show, they have him married to the daughter of Emperor Charles, who again is an amalgamation and they, but they do use Gisela or Gisela who is a possible first wife that was part of the deal. But then in the show, and I do write this at some point in the show in this season four here, she says she's pregnant. Which again, Rolo, who's in the show, kind of been constantly on this quest for legacy and trying to get out of Ragnar's shadow. That's a huge moment for him. That you know Ragnar's got all these sons and is keeping this legacy and is so famous, and and Rolo doesn't have any of that. So finally, having his wife in this new position of authority. He, you can see why he would be willing to throw away any old life he had to finally get some prestige in a new country. And I, I think made the show did a good job of stuff is different, and that's not who actually was the mother of his historical children. It still, I think, fits the feeling of what Rolo probably would have experienced at the time. But yes, his his actual wife that had his heir, his his uh, his heir was William, uh, who becomes William Longsword uh was a woman named uh, papa, which is kind of ironic that hey, my mom is Papa. <laughs> <laughs> and and she was just the daughter of the Count of Bayou, so in theory less prestigious than what we see in the show. But uh Bayou is a you know major city in in Normandy and I actually wish I would stopped there. So yeah when I was there last summer I, I took a train that kinda I, I had to switch trains in Bayou at one point, And I actually learned kinda a little too late, although I probably wouldn't have had time anyway, but there's something called the Bayou Tapestry. This is like this thousand-year-old tapestry that kind of paints the history of William the Conqueror. I don't so I don't know if I think that probably has all stuff. So you, you you've, you've probably seen the pictures. If you see kind of an old thousand-year-old looking depiction of William the Conqueror, there's kind of these iconic old depictions, and a lot of those are just kind of from the Bayou Tapestry. That's like super super long uh, and kind yes. of on display there in Bayou. And so I, I didn't see it.
1: This is I well. I've seen this will be used as a visual uh, a lot of times. It You know, if you're watching like a documentary or an informative video about Vikings or William the Conqueror or something, they'll use... They'll do the
0: Ken Burns view of this, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, that'll be, they'll be use one of these visuals during the voiceover where they're explaining something about, you know, that that time period. Yes,
0: so it's something I'd seen even though I hadn't heard of. Anyway, so that's where Rollo's actual wife was from. Right. And then the show again. This is getting more. We wouldn't know these kinds of things, but they they kind of make a point of his wife being super against marrying this Viking savage. Because again, they're Christians in France. The last people, the last people in this right. part of the world, or you know, to become Christians were the Scandinavians and the Vikings and all of them. So she does just see him as this heathen that her father is making her marry, and even like pulls a knife on him uh, on their wedding night. In the show too, she's like. Not only does she not want to marry him because
1: he's a heathen, she didn't want to get married at all in the first place. Oh, okay, like she yeah, was yeah. even, you know, she was like rebuffing Count Odo's advances, right? Where she, you know, she was not interested in in marriage really at all. Anyway. And this was just like an extra
0: yeah, but he, thing. Was, he was he was like he was at least kind of he was least kind of old well, and ugly versus Rolo's you know the strapping right, young warrior. But, but just but she th- she basically thinks he's dumb. She just thinks he's an idiot. Right. Yeah. And and she's kind of this bright, ambitious woman who's right. just like I ain't yeah. marrying the brute. And then he slowly then though throughout the uh, first part of the season wins her over when she realizes oh. He basically just didn't know our language. He's actually really <laughs> good at defending Paris. Well, right. honestly, that's what turns her yeah. around, right? Once he learns French, she's like, okay, you're hot now. Right. <laughs> and that is actually one of the one of the things that
1: I think was uh like <laughs> kind of funny in the show is like watching this like big brutish Viking warrior try and learn French from this like small feeble the little priest guy that's trying to teach him and he like tries to teach him one word and he just can't get it. He just gets frustrated and like breaks the table in half and throws the guy across the room (laughs) (laughs) yeah french is tough it's like anyone who's tried to learn a foreign language can probably uh relate to that emotion of (laughs) wanting to just smash everything
0: (laughs) um and then in the show yeah so he basically does it it is kind of the full we, we definitely see Ragnar's side, when they're kind of coming back and forth with Paris, that they are now pitted against each other again. We've seen them kind of go back and forth with this, this uh, love hate relationship that these brothers have. But in the past, Rolo's always come back around to Ragnar's side. And you kind of realize, especially if you know the history, that no, this, this is the final break. Rolo is staying. He's, he's French right. now. And we definitely see that kind of break Ragnar's heart. And then Rolo even kind of goes and does go up to a Viking camp and kills him maybe even kill some of his own men that stayed behind I think right if I remember right from that episode that like he had an entourage and just kills his own entourage' and be like i'm french now i'm I'm your man right well he uh goes to the uh the viking
1: camp and he like persuades he tells them to like open up the gates and let him in and they do and then he kills all of them
0: yeah yeah, yeah. again but it's 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 you know it' gets a little bit of that power corrupts thing and again some version of this is not probably too dissimilar from what we might have might have seen historically yep. and it is kind of interesting too that you know you think about oh how dukes and earls and royalty and france and england is you know all the prim and proper it's like no they are just the descendants of the biggest badass warriors who could take over the most stuff and then have the most money and then that trickles down so like it's like it's not like you know talking about people born into money well, at some point, it started because you did just have the best fighter, <laughs> probably. Right, yeah. And then the other thing I want to talk about on this episode was a little bit of the Chinese connection we see with the slave uh, that they bring yes. in that kind of is friends, fr- friends slash property of uh, Ragnar yeah. throughout this season. So the one thing is th- this Chinese slave that they bring in, and I don't know if they ever actually say how she ended up over here. It was maybe just kind of a silk road thing and she was just kind of traded down the line. She tells
1: she tells a story. She says she's she was on a boat and they were captured by oh my gosh. But she talks about how she was on a boat with her family and they end up like capturing her and her family and then she got sold into slavery by somebody who then sold her to somebody else and then she ended up in Paris as a slave and then uh, when the vikings came and they took her as a slave back to norway so that's how she ended up as a chinese slave
0: in norway okay so she started so a couple of things she mentions at least according to the wikipedia summary she mentions that she's the son of a chinese emperor daughter sorry daughter daughter
1: i don't remember that that connection
0: I don't either, Um, but it is mentioned in the Wikipedia summary. You might do a quick Google search on that if that's something she mentions. Anyway, so just out of curiosity, I was like, ooh, maybe I can figure out what Chinese emperor she might have been a daughter of, and obviously, (laughs) this is made up for the show. I doubt there's any kind of connection here, but I did come up with someone I thought was a good candidate, so... Uh, this was during the Tang Dynasty of China. It, when you're in the if you're in the middle of the ninth century here, again we're kind of choosing our timeline. If you're using these raids of Paris and all that stuff, even though the timeline of the show Vikings is not exact, we're going to say we're roughly in the mid 9th century. So that's when the Tang Dynasty was in control in China, and specifically the emperor that I kind of pegged as this <laughs> this character's potential father, if she is indeed the daughter of an emperor. Not that I can pronounce his name, but it's a uh, 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 who is a Tang emperor, but he's also considered the best or the last good Tang emperor. Uh, what does it say here? Yeah, he was considered the last capable emperor of Tang China. And the reason I picked him, one, he died in 859. So he was emperor from uh, 846 to 859. So that kind of fits the time period of when she could have, I mean, she could. this could be after that if she was born later. And then also he had lots of children with lots of women, which a, a lot of the Chinese emperors did have, but this guy had the longest list of children from the emperors around this time. And so I was like, yeah, sure, it was her. <laughs> but as far as the name, the name of the, the character in the show is like a Yidu, a Y-I-D-D-U. Yeah.
1: It looks like she's based on, there is an actually, there, or there is a princess Yidu in the oh in the tang dynasty you you win
0: you did a better google search than me
1: or who was part of the tang dynasty but that princess never left china and only lives to be 30 years old oh okay okay so they did take the name well who was her father uh let me look so it looks like uh emperor daizong of the tang dynasty whose daughter princess yidu born in 772
0: yeah so she's too old okay yeah that's why i didn't look there
1: yeah so there was a princess Yidu, but it was too long ago yeah too yeah too long before and also only lived to be 30 years old and also never left china (laughs) and they borrowed the name
0: basically okay okay
1: and it's like well how do you know that you know that she didn't go to it's like no she's like the daughter of an emperor like that would have been written down somebody would have said (laughs) Oh, and she was also captured as a slave and went to Scandinavia.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, hey, anything's possible, I guess, uh, that That's that true. long ago. That's a good point. Oh, and then so in the show, the reason she's kind of become significant is just as he became kind of obsessed with Athelstan, he kind of becomes similarly interested with her. Ragnar's definitely kind of always curious about these other worldviews and other she, other cultures around the world she almost becomes
1: a like a replacement for Ethelstan like he 's trying to replace the whole that Ethel San left in his life with Yidu. Oh, yeah. And then that's also supplemented by the drugs.
0: That's And that's what I was going to say, too. Yeah, so she she uh, she does give him a Chinese drug, which you would think would be uh, like uh, an opium of some sort. I
1: don't think they ever explicitly say.
0: Correct. So I was kind of looking at, I kind of assumed opium, but then I was looking at like, okay, opium was actually not really known in China at that time. But other versions of Something called like Poppy's Tears was, so, which is basically opium. There's actually another candidate that I thought might be interesting for a drug that was common in China in the ninth century that's maybe even more explicitly documented okay. than opium at the time. Does that make sense? So it's something called, in, in, in modern English, it's called a cold food powder or five minerals or five stone powder. And basically it's like a compound that has elements of like five different minerals but it's also still a psychotropic so i don't know if it's just traces of those minerals or whatever but yeah it was uh the tang dynasty was the quote final heyday for for this drug so anyway just just that it's a good candidate for the drug she's gonna if she's gonna give him a drug th- i thought this was an interesting candidate i hadn't heard it's of.
1: funny that you say that because when i was watching the show i was thinking oh I think they're trying to say this is opium. But then I was like, well, I don't think it is because, number one, when you think of China and opium, most of the opium didn't come from China. It came from India and was shipped Mm. to China by the British Empire, like, very purposely to induce uh, as many Chinese people as possible getting addicted.
0: Um, Right. Not in the ninth century. Right.
1: Oh, yeah. This is, like, uh, the 18th and 19th centuries. Right. But... There is, and on the Vikings wiki they talk about this, there is also a drug or a plant called betel, B-E-T-E-L. And the way that they use it is more consistent with uh, what we see in the show. And also the fact that in the show you see this kind of like red lip effect. Oh yeah, yeah. Which is definitely not an opium thing. I don't know if it's not an opium thing necessarily, but it is a betel thing. The only thing is that it's it doesn't seem like it's really that potent or like it wouldn't make you trip as hard as we see in the show. It says it's a mild stimulant. Mm. It says pairings of Areca nut or erasa, I'm not really sure how to pronounce that. Lime and cinnamon are wrapped wrapped in the leaf and then chewed. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Causing the saliva to go red and with prolonged use the teeth to go black. So when we see him use it in the show, it, it she is just handing him, like, a leaf, and he chews on it. It's that. But they're almost combining that with the effects of another drug, then, in real life, probably. Yeah, okay. Right, but the, the way that they make it look is like he's, like, the effects are closer to, like, an opium or even a heroin. Like, it messes him up pretty good. And the withdrawals it, he has in the show are super severe. But it looks like between the red saliva and the fact that he's just chewing on a leaf, that's, I mean, you, you wouldn't opium use would not be chewing on a leaf so yeah i don't know but but either way they don't they don't explicitly say in the show what it is and i don't even think they call it by name he just calls it like that medicine that you have or whatever
0: right and the and the five stone thing i'm talking about wouldn't be used in the way even if the effects are similar to what we see in the show yeah it wouldn't be consumed in the way it's consumed in the show okay so that kind of got us wrapped up mostly in what's happening in france in season four and so next time we're gonna get to more of the england stuff and what bjorn's kind of up to in the rest of season four so stay tuned for next time